1: Why are you building? Let's face it, in life, all of us to a greater or lesser extent are building. That's well and good. Nothing wrong with that. But but why? Why are you building? Why are you building? Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to start off there in Ecclesiastes. We're going to dig into the scriptures today. I've got a lot of good, chunky, meaty scriptures for you today. Mmm, I love uh, chunky. You know, it's interesting. I like spaghetti. I like a kind of a smooth marinara sauce, but today it's chunky sauce. I got a chunky message for you today with scriptures. Yeah, Daniel's nodding his head no. Oh, boy. Okay, that's okay. We're going to dig into scriptures today, look closely (laughs) at a relationship that reveals a key truth, and if it applies, if you can apply this truth to your life, I think it's going to be transformational to you truly transformational. As we examine the dynamic of a particular relationship, which is very interesting, just looking at at that level, uh, I hope it ministers and blesses you today. Well, first, we're going to start off, though, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, where great-grandpa said something very interesting. Of course, it was King Solomon, a very distant ancestor of mine. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Melech Shlomo verse 7 says this, something very interesting, and Sad in many ways. Again, I saw something futile under the sun. There is one who has no one else, neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. His eyes are not content with riches. So So, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of prosperity? This too is meaningless a grievous task. Wow. Boy, that's deep, isn't it? Boy, Ecclesiastes, you got to be ready. You know, if, if, you're, if you're battling depression, don't, don't go with Ecclesiastes, all right? Start with Psalms. <laughs> okay. But nonetheless, there's very deep, important principles for us to learn from Ecclesiastes, including this one. What's the point? What's the point? Why? Are you building? What's the point? You hear what King Solomon is asking right here. It is of critical importance to sometimes stop and think about what it is that we're doing. And where our focus should be? Why is it that we're building? Everybody's got things going on. If I took a poll, if I just started one, two, three, four, and just started going through everybody in this place, stand up and let us know what's going on in your life. Each of you would have a different story about something you're trying to do, something you're in the process of. Whether it's be, whether it's, well, in school, I'm, I'm trying to get good grades. I'm trying to get through this. I'm trying to get through this college. I'm trying to to start my career, I'm trying to do well in mid-career, I'm trying to have a family, trying to raise my ch- children right, trying to, uh, to bless my grandchildren, trying to prepare for retirement, trying, trying to, to, to determine what I should, whatever, everybody's building something. Everybody's building something, my children, whatever it is, why are you building? It's interesting, we, we don't often think about that. You know, I mean, I think honestly, with most of us in our lives, we kind of just go about our lives doing our thing, doing what we're sp- kind of feel like we're supposed to be doing, even sometimes what we feel like the Lord has called us to do in general terms. But still, we kind of are going about it just like uh, you know, a very routine, almost, almost habitual is the word. Just one thing leads to another, and one day leads to another. But we don't stop and think for just a minute, what is the point? You don't know, want to talk a little bit about Yochanan the Immerser. Yochanan the Immerser. He almost deserves one of these superhero titles like uh, Boanerges. Some of you remember, Sons of Thunder. Uh, that was from a month ago. It's right from the Scripture. Love that one. Yochanan the Immerser, also known, of course, as John the Baptizer or John the Immerser, was an amazing man of God. He was an amazing man of God, John the immerser or baptizer. Okay, he was, of course, Yeshua's cousin. We know this. There's a lot of background to this story, the womb, the whole thing. Okay, but, but John was quite the man in his day, for sure. John was famous. John the Baptist was famous. He had many, many, many followers. And he was, in, in his work in ministry, he was, of course, he was a... <laughs> We, we, today, we'd probably call him eccentric. <laughs> he was eccentric. I mean, you know, the whole what he wore, what he ate, the grasshopper thing. It's so interesting because very few insects, almost no insects are kosher, but the grasshopper. And so this dude was into grasshoppers, you know? I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to meeting him in heaven, but I don't know, you might have a little, you know, keep your distance from him if he's got the grasshopper breath. I don't know, going on there. <laughs> Oh man, we have a few visitors here. I'm so sorry y'all <laughs> please, please come back. give us another chance okay john- john was was different, right but he was quite the man in his day. He really was i mean he was he was immersing people uh, and he was immersing them into repentance and he was proclaiming that the Messiah was coming. he was heralding the, the the coming Messiah, and he was immersing people into repentance, repent, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. repent, we gotta repent, we gotta become holy, we gotta put away, you know, Israel in that time was, was full of decadence and, and full of Hellenism. If you study the many, many, many of the Jewish people of the day, uh, they, they had very much kind of attempted to assimilate into Greek and Roman culture and society. By the way, as a heads up, it didn't end up very well for them, <laughs> okay. I'll give you a little preview Great Revolt, Bar Revolt. It costs us millions of people, okay. Uh, it doesn't go well when you try to assimilate into the world per se, friends. We, we got we got to we got to turn our lives over to God, okay. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but but Yohanan here he was immersing people and telling them, Listen, you need to repent. In John chapter 1, you can turn there, John chapter 1. Let's read a little bit about this guy, John the Immerser, and, uh, and we can find out a little bit more of his story because it's pretty interesting, and, and there's a dynamic here that stood out to me uh, as I was praying and seeking the Lord about this Shabbat, what the Lord has for each of all of us. And so I wanted to, to bless you and minister to you, but first got to get a little background on this John guy, Yochanan. John chapter 1, verse 6 Says there came a man sent from God whose name was John. All right, he came as a witness to testify about the light, so that through him everyone might believe. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness concerning the light. Okay, so this was John's role—very, very important role here. He, he he came. He was sent from God. It says. This 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 messenger, this man, and, and he was he was testifying about the light. He wasn't the light, but the light was to come, of course, life being Yeshua, the Messiah, the Mashiach. And he deemed right, he was testifying about the light. And that was his call, that was his role, that was his task in life. And 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 but as his fame grew, and his fame clearly grew, it was so funny because such a such a kind of a rugged uh, individualists. There are many people who believe that he was part of the Essene uh, a group that was uh, that was primarily in in the desert there, the Judean desert by the Dead Sea. You're familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, which which are two thousand year old scrolls uh, with uh, the majority of the Tanakh in it, uh, which is just absolutely amazing. Predates uh, complete books by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Found in the in the deserts of Qumran right there by the Dead Sea. Well, uh, in any case, uh, the Essene community was a set-apart community that lived in that. A lot of people think that John the Immerser was part of this isolated, kind of set-apart community. We don't know for absolute sure, but we know he was kind of a rugged man living uh, more more kind of in a wilderness kind of a, a mindset, but yet he had huge amounts of followers, huge amounts of followers, and disciples, and as his fame grew, what happened? The religious leaders came to him asking, okay, who are you, dude? Who is this guy? And what are you doing? And what are you building? So, so they go to him, right? A lot that they they, they they come to him. He's he's out immersing people. More and more people are coming to him for immersion. He's 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 telling them to repent. And so the religious leaders say, okay, what's this new group here? What's this new guy got going on? Let's find out what his story is. And they go up to him, verse 26, same chapter, John chapter 1. They ask him what he was doing and why he was building. Verse 26, John says, I immerse in water, John answered. Among you stands one you do not know, talking about the Messiah, coming after me, whose sandals. I am not worthy to untie. These things happen in Bethany, beyond the Jordan where John was immersing. The next day, OK, so he tells him, I'm, I'm the, the one. there's a one coming. He's the one. I'm proclaiming him. Verse 29. The next day, John sees Yeshua coming to him and says, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one about whom I told you. He who comes after me is above me, because he was before me. Whew, man, I get chills when I read that. Wow. Right, Edith? I mean, you're talking about this is this John. I mean, John was a heavyweight. He had all these. This was at the basically at the beginning of Yeshua's ministry. It's not like Yeshua had this massive following that John had yet at the time he did not. Yeshua was just getting going, and yet Yeshua comes up, and man, John's like, "Here he is! Here's the one! This is the one I've been telling you about." I want to. Uh, I want you to notice a few things about this passage that we just read. Very interesting because. This all is going to build the narrative that I want you to digest that I think is going to help us all in our, in our lives. Okay, uh, notice a few things. First, recognize that John was a powerful man, although uh, in, in poverty and so, in many ways it was completely by choice. He was, he was, this is something interesting that perhaps some of you may not realize about the, the influence of John the Immerser and the and the fame of John the Immerser. So much so that in fact, he was so well known, that in fact, historical writer Josephus, you know, Josephus, was this, this was not a, a, a believer, this is not part of the Bible, this is a historic, uh, a history writer, if you will, Jewish and then eventually went to the other side with the Romans, but Josephus, who wrote the history of what happened in that area, what does he do? He specifically writes and talks about Herod Antipas and his killing of John the Immerser as the primary reason that people felt that Herod's army was eventually defeated. Okay, I want you to, I want you to, to, to weigh into what Josephus is saying. This is an extra biblical account of John the Immerser. And he says, and this is decades later, y'all, so so he's looking, John the Immerser, I'm, I'm trying to paint the picture for you of how important, historically, as a historical figure, John the Immerser was a heavyweight. He, he says that the, the, the reputation amongst all the Jewish people is that the reason that Herod Antipas' army lost in battle was because of what he did to John the Baptist, John the Immerser. Of course, what did he do? He had him executed. He had him executed, and, and so, but there was... Josephus tells us that there was a, a reputation everybody, everybody all around felt, even decades later, well, the reason why Herod, Herod's army lost the battle is because of what he did to John the Immerser. And Josephus described John the Immerser as being known as a good man, encouraging virtue and piety toward God. This, this is from Josephus here. I'm trying to, to let you see the, the importance and, and really the influence He would have been a major influencer of his days. I'm using some modern terminology, right? With, uh, you know, in social media, he would have been huge. (laughs) Okay, no no doubt. The point here is that John was well-known even many decades after his death by contemporary sources. In other words, John was a force. Why is this important? It's very important for you to understand because it makes what happens as we read all the more interesting and important and revelatory. Because as big as as a guy as he was, I mean, he had more YouTube views than anybody in his day. (laughs) That's the kind of influence that this guy had. But as great a guy as he was, here it is, John says that he's not worthy. He's not worthy to untie the sandals of Yeshua. He's not worthy to untie the sandals. Whoa. And he says, right, he says, Yeshua is above him. <laughs> right, Jay? Very specifically, he says, Yeshua is above me. He's above him. Now that's remarkable, remarkable humility for a man with such a following. John was the one with the big following at this point, not Yeshua. Yeshua would get it, but but it started off, man, John had the much, much bigger following to start. Yeshua was just getting his ministry going. Think about this for a minute. Think about this for just a minute. He explained to these leaders why it was that he was building, why it was that he was building this, this following. He was explaining to them why, and it wasn't for his own YouTube clicks. It wasn't so he could be the big star and the famous guy. No, 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 no. He is proclaiming about the light. And here he is, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He is above me. And let's go down even a few verses later. We read this, verse 35 of John chapter 1. This is just so interesting. Verse 35, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples John had disciples. We read that all throughout the Scripture, book of Acts, other places. So John was standing with his two of his disciples and watched Yeshua walking by. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they whoop, followed Yeshua. Now listen, that's beautiful and powerful, but you have to understand, my friends, that disciples were very much desired and valued and sought by religious leaders. Why? Because the more disciples that they had around them that would listen to their teaching increased their reputation because things were word of mouth back then and not social media, but, but it essentially was like their social media of the day. The number of the Talmudim, the number of disciples that they had, and yet here it is that John recognizes Yeshua and immediately he loses two of his top disciples to Yeshua. You, you, you can just imagine exactly how that looks. I mean, <laughs> there, is, there is John with his, with his two of his lieutenants who've been following John. We know that the disciples of John, even decades, there are many, many centuries after John the Immerser there were still people who called themselves disciples of John. This was the influence of John, okay? And so here it was. There was John with two of his his top lieutenants, and and there goes Yeshua. And and, and John says, behold, the Lamb of God. And and the two two of his disciples say, well, okay. (laughs) And they go, and they follow Yeshua. They're gone from John. They follow Yeshua. It's so interesting. But, but John does not seem upset about this. How can he... Boy, how, how do you balance that? How do you rationalize that? How do you understand that? When you think about John, he didn't seem upset at this. I mean, you, you, you might think on one level just, wow, well, these were the buddies that he trained up and, 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 and boop, they followed the Yeshua right? I mean, it's just amazing, the story. He says it, and they're like, okay, we're going with that guy. (laughs) And there they go. There they go. Very interesting. John chapter 3. Time passes, time passes. And eventually, we're led to another passage with John the Immerser. Get ready, because this is powerful, friends. This is intense. It's amazing. It's remarkable. So I want you to really digest it and let the Lord minister to you and speak to you through it. John chapter 3, verse 22. 22, it says, "'Afterwards Yeshua and his disciples "'came to the land of Judea. "'There he was staying with them and immersing. "'Now John was also immersing at Anon near Salim "'because much water was there "'and many people were coming and being immersed. "'For John had not yet been thrown into prison.'" We know that would happen later okay so now you got yeshua and john both immersing people at different sites different places now an argument verse 25 now an argument came up between john's disciples and a judean concerning purification they came meaning john's own disciples john's disciples came to john and said rabbi the one being yeshua who was with you beyond the jordan the one you testified about, look, he is immersing, and all are coming to him. (laughs) You could just hear these disciples, right? Right, Daniel? I mean, you can kind of understand what they're saying when they say this. Ah, see, now Yeshua and his team are now immersing people also. John's disciples feel threatened, right? You know, they're like, hey, excuse me. You know, it's like, hey, This is our turf. (laughs) Some of you get that. Is that West Side Story, right? (laughs) Really bad. Oh, man. Gosh. We resisted streaming so long. Mm. Okay. (laughs) We we see they, they are threatened, they feel threatened. Many are now going to Yeshua and his disciples for immersion and not you, John. They're going to this Yeshua guy. They're going, they're they're taking their business to the competition. (laughs) We we get the clear sense that they're not happy about this. I mean, right? John's been the man. He has been the man. Everybody knows about John, John the Immerser. He's the guy who's, who's, who's crying out people go to for the immersions. His name is John the Immerser. That's no, really not his name, but you, you understand that's his title, right? He's known as John the Immerser, and now here it is. People are being immersed by somebody else. Yeshua and his team, they're not particularly happy about this. How can this be? Johnny, 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 we got to do something. This Yeshua is, is taking away all the, the patrons for the immersion. What are we going to do about this, Johnny. Verse 27, the very next verse, John chapter three. Hear this answer, and it's 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 breathtaking. Breathtaking. John answered, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but rather. I am sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the best man rejoices when he stands and hears the bridegroom's voice. So now my joy is complete. He must increase while I must decrease. Amen. Whew. Wow. Y'all, that's, I wrote in my notes, that's doctoral level spirituality right there. That is doctoral level. Like the highest that I can kind of even figure out, that's that kind of level of spirituality. Here it is, John is losing influence. John is losing disciples. And how does John feel about this? He says, My joy is complete. My joy is complete. John says that he must decrease. I must decrease. Yeshua must increase because Yeshua is the groom, he is the one. And while that might seem easy to some, the other disciples of Yeshua, the 12 disciples, they were relatively unknowns. John was so well-known. As I said, even decades later, we'd read about his impact on the world in extra-biblical sources. Even John's disciples were disturbed by his waning influence relative to the issue. And yet John recognized, John recognized that the herald's role is not to draw attention to oneself, but to the one to come. There was indeed a point and a purpose to John's building But the purpose was not John. Friends, this was, uh, as I began thinking about John, you know, we don't really think about, sometimes we read about biblical people and characters and we don't think about them as real human beings. This is a real person, right? This is somebody who lived and breathed just like us. And as I began reflecting upon John and, and how he did this and how this happened and how his reaction was like that, I just started thinking of words to describe it. And the words that came to mind was selfless, without jealousy. It's so easy to be je- jealous, selfless. He was selfless without jealousy. Okay, beloved, we have to have this attitude also to lift up Yeshua and to be more and more selfless. This isn't easy for us. We're so often putting ourselves first. Our needs, our wants, the way we like things, what we want for our lives, we're all building. Everybody here is building. Everybody watching, you're building. Everybody listening on the podcast, you're building. Everybody's building. But too often we're building exclusively for ourselves. And I'm talking about even building things that are good. Even building things that are good, like our careers, our finances, our wisdom, our knowledge. Building, it's, these are good things to build, but for what purpose? But for what purpose? Why are we building? Think about it. For so many, it's about themselves. But this is definitely and definitively not what John the Immerser was doing. It's truly remarkable. So with all of us. So it is with all of us. So what did Yeshua think? Of John the immerser this this is so interesting man when I when I started Dean really digging into this whole dynamic, the relational dynamic and 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 started looking at John's whole view and everything that happened with him and his status and all that we've talked about and then Okay, flip the, the, the script to look at the other side and say, okay, what did Yeshua think of John? We, we heard what John thought of Yeshua, but given John's amazingness, right, Mikey, what, what did Yeshua think of? What did Yeshua think of John? Well, let's take a look. Let's answer the question. It happens to be in there. Luke chapter 7. Very, very interesting. Wow, because this tells you something about Yeshua and John. Wow, this is just so interesting. Luke chapter 7, verse 24. And after John's messengers left, John had sent some people to Yeshua and they had left. This is speaking of John the immerser. He began to speak, meaning Yeshua, Yeshua began to speak about John to the crowds. Okay. So, so now Yeshua is starting to talk about John the Immerser. He's talking about John the Immerser to the crowds. By this time, he'd been in prison, and, and this was years, this was, uh, time had passed a, at this point, and Yeshua had a big following at that point. And so he began speaking now uh, to, the, to, the, to the throngs of people about John. And let's hear what he says about John. Uh, still verse 24. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? No. So what do you go out to see? A man dressed in fine garments? Look, those who wear finery and live in luxury are in the palaces of kings. Then what did you go out to see? Talking about when people went to see John. A prophet? Yes. I tell you, even more than a prophet. This is the one whom it is written, about whom it is written, from, uh, from the Tanakh of prophecy, behold, I send my messenger before you who will prepare your way before you. And then Yeshua says, verse 28, I say to you, there is no one greater than John among those born of women. Whew. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. It's interesting. We'll talk about that. Wow. Very deep. Whew, wow, Yeshua, man. There's there's something going on here. This connection between John and Yeshua, man, this is deep, deep stuff. Yeshua announces that John the Immerser is the one prophesied to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he also says that there's no one greater than John among those born of women. Think about that. So when we build for God... He builds for us. i have a few thoughts about this passage. I want us to dissect it and unpack it a little bit. First, a quick side note, and as a parenthetical comment and side teaching, Yeshua also adds a small teaching point by saying that no matter how good... Ooh, this is a deep one, though. No matter how good one is here on this earth, it's not equivalent to the status of being in the kingdom of God. He says, "But okay, but he says, but the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is what he's talking about here. Meaning that works alone will not achieve what is needed. So many people, so many of my people even today have a works-based mentality to think that they can work their way to heaven. They can work their way to be good enough to get into heaven. We can never be good enough. This is why we need a Messiah, friends. All of us are flawed. All of us have made mistakes. All of us sin at one time or another. We need the Messiah and his atonements, which is the whole point of Yeshua coming, my friends. Works alone are not going to achieve what is needed. That's the point he's making. But at the same time, at the same time, Yeshua is paying John close to the ultimate compliment, basically calling him the least sinful man in the world other than himself. <laughs> that is amazing. That, that is some serious praise. He's saying, listen, John, even as great as he is, nope, that's still not good enough, but still there's been nobody born to a woman greater than this guy. That's some kind of praise. That's some kind of praise from the Messiah. My, 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 my. And and later, when we read when when John is executed, scriptures recount that when Yeshua hears this, Yeshua leaves the crowd to go to a solitary place on a boat. We assume to mourn. It's so interesting. The moment he hears, that John was executed, he, he leaves the crowd and just goes onto a boat by himself. says to a solitary place. So interesting. Man, Yeshua had a connection with John, not just because they were related, but because of, because of John's, what John was doing when he was building. Here's the point, my friends. Yeshua was so impressed with John the Immerser, so impressed. This is immeasurably high praise from Yeshua, but you see, this parallels the very teachings of Yeshua, because if you understand Yeshua's teachings, you'll understand why he thought so highly of John, to to call him this. John chapter 13, different John, by the way. John chapter 13, here we read about Yeshua washing the feet of his disciples and let's read this. You, you know this story, but it relates and connects to this whole thing. John 13, verse 12, Yeshua washed the feet of his disciples. And verse 12 says, so after he had washed their feet and put his robe back on and reclined again, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? He washed the feet of his disciples. You call me teacher and master and rightly, rightly you say, for I am. Yeshua says, so if I, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example. You should do for each other what I have done for you. Oh, man. Yeah, right, right. You got that right, Robert? So, so now we see why Yeshua thought so highly of John. No jealousy, selflessness, servanthood, Placing others before yourself. Beloved, this is what we need to cultivate in our own lives. The more we grow in these things in our lives, the more we become someone that Yeshua speaks highly of. The more we become more conformed to the image of his son being Yeshua. The more we become like him because let's face it, Did Yeshua put others before himself? Yeah, you betcha. Think about what he did for us. Oh, do you see what he did for us is exactly what John was doing for him. I mean, even more so, of course, what Yeshua did for us. But the point was is that he sacrificed for Yeshua. He said, no, he should... No, I'm doing this for him. Yeshua loves us so much. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, my goodness. This kind of ties it all together as, we're, as I'm looking to kind of bring this all to a conclusion. So interesting. Philippians chapter 2. Oh, we see what Messiah did for us. And it's so parallels. It just gives you full understanding of why he thought so highly of John. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says this, do nothing out of selfishness or conceit, but with humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Looking out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Messiah Yeshua, who, though existing in the form of God, did not consider being equal to God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, becoming the likeness of men and being found in appearances of man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue profess that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Whew, amen. (laughs) See, John was Messiah-like. John was Messiah-like. He considered others as more important than himself. And this was one of the most Messiah-like things that he could have done. Because greater love is no man than this than to lay down his life, one's life, for their friend. Yeshua was selfless, building others, esteeming others above yourselves. I'm so blessed this week to see so many people helping out one of our dear ones, Mariama, who needs some help. I sent an email to the congregation. Some other people helped and sent some emails out. Oh, man, praise God, man. This is what we should be doing is helping each other, esteeming others above ourselves. Thank you. Oh, it's such a blessing. This is what we need to be doing in our lives. So, Chabarim, this is how we need to be also. Ephesians 5 tells us to submit ourselves to one another out of reverence for Messiah. We have to take this servant nature upon us. Let me tell you, this has very practical applications in many areas of our lives. Do you want to strengthen your marriage? Those of you who are married, do you want to strengthen your marriage? Consider your spouse above yourself. Be selfless with your friends. If you're not married, be selfless with your friends. Have no jealousy to those who are successful around you. Because if you do these things, my friends, Yeshua will look favorably upon you. And in the end, nothing could be better. And so I'm asking you to reflect. I'm asking you to think about your life and everything that you're doing. And the title of my message is, Why Are You Building? Let's bow our heads. Thank you, God, for Yohanan, for John. Wow. I want to ask if... There's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to, wherever you are, just raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If that's you and you've never said yes to Yeshua, but you'd like to, never committed your life to the Lord. Maybe you're watching online or listening in the podcast and that's you, if that's you, please repeat this simple prayer after me and the Lord will change you on the inside. Say, dear God, I humble myself before you. Mm, It requires a humility, doesn't it? I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry, God. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, Lord, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you and send you some materials. But for everybody else, if you're watching or listening or if you're here, why are you building? Why are you building? I want you to think about that. Because, you know, the answer to that question influences what you build and how you build it. Why are you building? So I want you to just, you know, I'm, I'm being quick and I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask, Dara just to. Play for just, just, it won't even be a minute, maybe. Just to play the, the keyboards, no words. And I just want you to be honest with yourself and answer the question, Why am I building? Why, why are you building? That's my question. And to think if that has any ramifications for anything that you're doing. Again, not saying, like, if, if a career and all, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't get me wrong with that. That's good. But what's the purpose? Of, of, of building things. What, what is your overall big purpose? Why are you building? I want you to just reflect on that for just a minute. Career is important. Finances are important. Wisdom is important. Relationships are important. These are important things. As long as we have things in the right order and have a bigger, more global understanding of why are we building, it should be first for God, for others beyond that. Esteeming others above ourselves. That's hard, that's selfless. That's what John did. Yeshua said, nobody better, born of a woman. (laughs) God help us, that's this hard, (laughs) this hard. Lord help us, help us learn that what we need to do is to build for you, to build for you. And that means that even things like our career, raising children, our 401Ks, our reading and the news, following what's going on in Israel, working out, eating, whatever. I mean, these are all good and important things. But what's our bigger picture here? What are we building for? God, we want to build for you and let these things be for your glory <laughs> otherwise that they're vacuous otherwise they're meaningless like King Solomon said in Ecclesiastes otherwise they're vanity Lord let them be for you for your purposes for your glory <laughs> and then also Lord let them be for our fellow man and woman let them be for our fellow person, for our people. Lord God, that, that you would help us serve each other. Because that, that glorifies you. You know, it strikes me, God, that when we serve each other, we're serving you. When we put others above ourselves, that's the kind of thing that you would want us to do. Help us, God, in that. Help us. In many ways, it's it's a small perspective change but wow it's so important (laughs) thank you for the example of John the Immerser it's just amazing I've really enjoyed studying him and and kind of digging deep into his life and just seeing wow what he did and what you thought of it that's really awesome Thank you, God, for these things. We love you with all of our hearts, and we bless you for the Shabbat. W'shem Yeshua. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Beth El family, please visit our website at www.bethhallel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770 641 3000. If you are in the Metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service Friday nights at 8 o'clock or Shabbat services Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom.